we have been weeks now into the atonement. And uh, last week, I, I listened back to last week's uh, message, and it, it wouldn't hurt us to even review it. Now, I'm going to move on, but even for my, you know, I shouldn't say even for myself, but I'm saying that because I, I spoke it. It wouldn't hurt for uh, for review, so I so I'll probably do a little review of last week tonight. And one thing that I, that I really want to emphasize, and is is that a lot of times people say, you, you know, we got to find our identity, and I've I've said that, so I, I ain't trying to be. You, you know, what's the word hard on this, but let's, let's think of it a different way. Instead of us trying to find our identity, let's focus on knowing him. Because if we know him, we will find our identity. Because our identity is in Christ Jesus. That's really where our identity's at. And there's, a, there's an idea that if the church just got a hold of its identity, it would, uh, it would kind of get fixed. Well, if it finds its identity in Christ, I, I could agree with that. It doesn't matter if I agree with it or not. But, but if it doesn't find its identity in Christ, then it just finds something other than him. You, you know, and it may use the words, the body of Christ, but the body of Christ, the identity of the body of Christ is Christ. It's not the body. It's him that gives purpose to the body. It's him that fills the body. And, and the Apostle Paul writes that in Ephesians, the fullness of him that fills and that, that statement is so big because it's the fullness of him. It's not, not the fullness of, of me or you, although we're included. It's the fullness of him that fills all and in all. And what a powerful understanding to come to that Christ fills all things to the church, all things to his body, all things. I mean, that's, that's just an understanding to, to really get a hold of that, that he's the fullness that fills. And so when, when we come to the understanding of the, of the high priest, we come to the understanding of of Israel, we come to the understanding of anything we're talking about. It is the Lord that fills up all things. Amen. And that's that's a beautiful thing because most of us have saw what we are. And in in seeing what we are, the the frailty of ourselves. We surely are looking for something greater. 
It's, it's just that the greater that we're looking at is Christ because it, he's our life. So if, I, so if I come to a comprehension that the greater is Christ and he's my life, I, I'm, I'm maybe getting somewhere. Well, I am getting somewhere. Just that comprehension, he's my life. And I, and I believe the atonement has a whole lot to do with that. A whole lot to do in the understanding of atonement. Uh, for the last two weeks, I've talked about the definition of atonement and how that atonement in part of the definition means a covering. And we are covered, clothed upon with him. That's our covering. That's our clothing. That Christ is my clothing. So as, as we go forward in the understanding of Christ in the atonement, going back for a moment to Leviticus 16, and, and I, I probably won't read all this, but Leviticus 16.3, for a reference point, is where Aaron is told to come into the holy place with a young bull for a sin offering, a ram for a burnt offering, and he shall put on the holy linen coat and linen breeches upon his flesh and shall be girded with a linen girdle and with the linen miter shall he be attired. These are holy garments. So, so Leviticus 16, 3 through 17, if you read all of those, that deals with the death. It deals with the clothing of the high priest and then the death. You could, you could say that in Leviticus 16. You're going to see him over and over deal with the offerings, that, that he's, he's dealing with the animal sacrifices and putting the blood upon the mercy seat. When you come into Leviticus 16, 18, and verse 18, you, you know, the high priest has entered into the holy place. And in verse 18, it says, and he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord. So he goes out to the altar that is before the Lord, which I believe would be the altar of incense. So he comes out to the altar of incense before the Lord and he makes an atonement for it and takes to, and shall take of the blood of the bull and the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar round about and sprinkle blood up on it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness for the children of Israel. And when he had made an end of reconciling the holy place in the tabernacle congregation in the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the live goat and confess all the iniquities of the children of Israel and their transgressions and their sins, putting them upon the head of the coat and send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities into a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. And, and I wrote in my note, this speaks of burial. He puts it all away. So he brings the death right here in the high priest, the burial. And then the high priest comes on out in, in verses 20 through 25. He comes out to the people. 
So he, he, in verses 20 through 25, the high priest, after he is finished, reconciling the holy place, verse 20 says, in the tabernacle of the congregation, the altar, he shall bring the live goat, and Aaron shall lay both ends upon the head of the live goat, live goat and confess the iniquities of the children of Israel, which we just read. And verse 23 in particular here, and Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen garments, which he put on when he went into the holy place, and he shall leave them there. And he shall wash his flesh with water in the holy place and put on his garments and come forth and offer his burnt offerings and burnt offerings for the people, and make an atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering shall he burn upon the altar. So he appeared again unto the people. So he goes in and performs the work that he does on the day of atonement and he comes out and appears again to the people. And even in his appearing again, he appears again with the sacrifice. Now, you say, what does all this have to do with Christ? Well, We've been looking at this for, for several weeks and in, in, uh, in just a couple of the scriptures we've been looking at. I, I don't want to read them all again. But Hebrews 8.4, Hebrews 8.4 says, Now if he were on earth, Christ, speaking of Christ, he would not be a priest at all, seeing there are those that offer the gifts according to the law who served that which is a copy and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was warned of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. So if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest. Is what he says here. But those gifts and sacrifices that were made, that we read of in the book of Leviticus here, is a copy and shadow of heavenly things. The tabernacle itself is a type. The, the physical tabernacle in the wilderness, the temple of God uh, built in Solomon, rebuilt with uh, in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. It is a type of a heavenly thing. Okay? And that's what we were dealing with last night, heavenly or last week. Heavenly things. So, so it tells you this is a shadow of heavenly. That's what it tells you. So, so our concepts of heaven, you know, if we allow God to deal with us, he may give us a, a much greater comprehension of heaven if we allow him to, because the tabernacle is a type of heaven. The and I and I asked this question last week, what are heavenly things by the scripture? By the scripture, when I look at the scripture, what are heavenly things according to the scripture? Now, now keep that in your mind and go go down to Hebrews 9:24. It says, in Hebrews 9:24, for Christ is not entered into holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the truth. So not the copy. He didn't enter the copy like we just read, the figure of the true. That's Hebrews 8, 4, where we were just at. 
he entered heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world have he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointing unto, unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. All right. He entered heaven itself. He didn't enter the figure of heaven. He entered into the abode or the dwelling place of God. Now, he came out of God, John 16 says, and came into the world. And again, he left the world and was going back to God. He was going back to what he came out of. But he was going back into God with the finished work, with the atonement. He wasn't coming back into God with something left to do. See, see, he was coming back into God with a completed work. That's, that's what he did. He came out of God, came into the earth, and he went back into God. Now, I want you to pick up on a couple things. Jesus was not like the other sacrifices. You know, we, we read about the other sacrifices, which were, which were natural, like the, the live goats, the bulls, the, the turtle doves, everything, everything we talk about. Jesus was a heavenly sacrifice. Okay. Even though he offered an earthen body, the body of his, of his flesh. He was, his origin was heavenly. So he wasn't like the sacrifices that was being offered under the first covenant. That's why, that's why they could never make the comers perfect because they were not from perfection. So there was no way for them to perfect you because their origin wasn't perfection. They were out of the earth. So they were earthen sacrifices that was speaking of a heavenly reality. Now, Jesus isn't speaking of a heavenly reality. He is the heavenly reality, right? That's what he is. He's the heavenly one. He's the heavenly reality. And he come in the volume of the book is written of, written of him to do the will of God to take away the first and establish the second. And he appears in the second. And see, this is the same picture of the high priest there that where we were reading before. The high priest entered into the Holy of Holies and he came out and appeared among Israel. And, and if, you, if we can hear this, John 14, this is what Jesus is saying in John 14. 
He says in John 14, 1, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there, you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we, not know, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm the access to God. All right? Which, which every, every Christian believes that. If they're, if they're a born-again Christian, they believe Jesus is the access to God. It's just what that means. Okay? What that means is different according to your comprehension of Christ, right? What does it mean he's the access to God? Well, this to me, you know, as I look at this, this is, this is the same thing. You know, I'll receive you into myself. This is the same thing he's talking about when he shall appear the second time into salvation in Hebrews 9. This is not two different things. It's the same thing. When he appears the second time into salvation, he's appearing, bringing us to himself. In that appearing, we're coming to himself. And this is what Christians don't get a hold of, that is that their salvation is Christ himself. And this is what Paul writes throughout the Bible. Is, you know, as Brother Jim Wickens likes to quote, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ who liveth in me, because the salvation of the Lord is is bound up in the cross and in in the cross is the judgment of death it's it's there you, anyone that comes to the cross to a comprehension of the cross they're going to face the judgment of death because the natural thing doesn't go into the heaven okay that that's what we have to get a hold of the natural thing does not go into the heavenly. That's why the cross has to be there. That's, that's even why John, when, when John encounters Jesus on Pat, Patmos, he sees him and he gives this great description of Christ. And he falls at his feet as dead. And Jesus didn't just say, well, I'm he that liveth and liveth and liveth and liveth. He brings right into the comprehension of the encounter of John, Behold, I am he that liveth and was dead. So he brings that right into John's comprehension. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And that has to come into our comprehension of, of the Lord. He's dead. But behold, he's alive. 
And see, see that comprehension doesn't stop there in, in Revelation chapter 1. In chapter 5, when John sees the, the, the lamb in the throne of God, he sees him, a lamb having been slain, but yet alive. Because the judgment of that death is in heaven. Why, why would the judgment of his death be in heaven? Because the earthly things do not pass over. They don't pass over. So, we, so when we get faced with the Lord, we get faced with a heavenly comprehension. We come to a spiritual comprehension of everything. Why? Because he's spiritual. He's not as we are according to the natural. Now what he's doing in us through his appearing in us is transforming us into the spiritual into the heavenly, changing us into what he is. And how he's doing that is through filling us with himself. And that's the beauty of this salvation, is it just continues to fill us up with him. But the earthly doesn't pass over. And that's and that's the part that we have such a hard time with because, because we want to make heaven in our comprehension earthly. We do. We, we, we have this concept that heaven is all about a bunch of people just living forever, not having any problems. And, you know, having new glorified bodies. Well, got good bodies now. But heavenly is the divine person of God himself. That's, that's the true definition of what heavenly is, is the divine person of Christ. And anything short of that is not heavenly. So when, when Jesus says, I'm bringing you unto myself, it doesn't mean, it doesn't just mean you're going to be with me. You know, me and you are now with Jesus. And, and that's what people say when people pass on. Well, they've gone to be with the Lord. That his intention, if he's in you already, if, if, if what the gospel says, Christ is in you, if when you're born again, Jesus is in you, then you're already with the Lord. So, so you leaving your physical body didn't move you on to the Lord. Okay? Not saying there's not a transition there, so don't get me wrong. But the transformation of the heart and soul is what the heavenly vision of Christ does to us. It transforms our heart and our soul our mind, our inner being into the divine nature of him. It fills us up with him. That's what I'm trying to communicate. He's bringing us to himself. Okay. He's bringing us to his mind. 
his nature, his, his awareness, his purpose. And on the Day of Atonement, the high priest entered in there securing eternal redemption in type and shadow for Israel. Well, Jesus didn't do a type and shadow. He redeemed us to himself. So he brought us to himself. And, and, I, and I can't stress this enough. That doesn't just mean I'm with Jesus. He brought me to what he is. Okay? And, and so, so even our, our most basic encounter with the Lord, when we're born again, we know we had an encounter with something other than ourselves. That, that's, that's the born-again experience. The, the most, you know, when we begin walking with the Lord, we have this glorious experience. I received the Lord. My sins are rolled away. No one else can make my sins roll away. No one else can make me feel white as snow. And there's all kinds of songs that have been sung and, and words that have been declared because of a real live experience of the Lord of being born again. But only the Lord could do that because, because that was an experience with the life that he is. Okay? I'm birthed with the life that he is. I'm not birthed again in the life of Adam. I'm birthed in the life that he is. Now, if I can get a hold of that and say, okay, I'm going to grow up into that. I'm going to grow up into the life that he is. That's my Christian journey. Is to grow up into what he is. Now, in Isaiah chapter, I believe I want chapter 55. Let me see here. The Bible says, um, well, Let's see if I if I can find it what I'm looking for. But he but he said, well, verse eight, 55a. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith Jehovah. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth in bud and give the seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish that which I please. All right. Now, if I look at this, I can say, well, my thoughts are not his thoughts. My ways are not his ways. But he sent his word. Okay. He sent his word to accomplish what he pleased. What, what did he please? Why, why did he send his word? Did he want man to not have his thoughts? Did he want man to not know his ways? No. 
No. The word is the avenue to come to God's ways, to God's thoughts. And the word that he sent, I know, I know through the through the prophets he sent words that they spoke. But all those words that they spoke found fulfillment in the word. And that's why John writes of Christ in causing the word. Because every word spoken comes to fulfillment in the word. So he sent the word to accomplish that that he was after in man. That's because that's the only way he could accomplish it was to send his word. Nothing else could do it but Christ himself. So Christ, the word of God, came to accomplish that that God desired. Okay? And that is brought through the work he did in the death, burial, and resurrection. Because it's in the word who is Christ that we are transformed into the same image and likeness of God. That this here, you know, my ways are not your ways. My, my thoughts are not your thoughts. It's in this divine word that our ways and our thoughts begin to be changed. Now, this word is not simply the letter of the Bible. It's the word the Bible speaks of who is the Lord Jesus Christ. He transforms our minds. And I mentioned last week, you know, Jesus received us to himself. He said, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you will, will be also. And, and we're received to the Lord as his very own body. Now, if I'm his body, I'm where he's at. I can't be the Lord's body and the Lord be somewhere else and me be here. That just doesn't make sense. If I'm his body, if I'm a member of his body, then he's received me to himself. That's why I'm called the body of Christ, because Christ has received me to himself. And in Romans 6, we've read it over and over again tells us that he baptized us by one spirit into his death, buried in his burial, raised up in his life. We're baptized by the spirit into the body of his death. We're raised up in the body of his resurrection. This is all through Paul's epistles. That's how we're received by one spirit immersing us into Christ Jesus the Lord were received to himself. That's why John said, there's one mightier me, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Because that Holy Ghost baptism, it, like Brother Dell said the other night, is not just to get you to speak in tongues. It's to bring you into the understanding of the truth that you're buried in his burial, you're, 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 you're dead in his death, and you're raised in his life. You are his body. 
Glory to God. That's what the spirit of truth is given for, to lead us and guide us into all truth. And all truth is the Lord Jesus himself. And so in him, we're transformed. I can't be transformed anywhere else. So Christianity, instead of, and I, I don't want to pick, but I, try to word this Christianity uses and I should call it Christianity religion Christ, Christian religion tries to just make you a better person if I can get you do to not do this this and this you're going to be good enough for God you know and so Christians have struggled many times their whole Christian walk trying to be good enough for God. When the truth is, their soul needs to be transformed. And the transforming light of the soul is he that is in you. And and, I, and I'm going to read this. I, I know I've been a while tonight, but I'm going to read this. I mentioned this last night, but 2 Corinthians 3, to me, speaks of that holy of holies. And to me, and you know, maybe the Lord will show me something here I don't see, because God always continues to bring truth. And verse 14 says, but... 2 Corinthians 3, 14, but their minds were blinded for unto this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read the veils upon their heart, nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Here's where we're changed. Beholding his glory in the mirror of God. And we're changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And the glory to glory is the earthly glory to the heavenly glory. You're changed from the earth to the heavens. But how I'm changed there is beholding. Here, here he tells me how. Beholding, as in a glass or a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Now that mirror there is Christ. That's the vision of God okay that's God's vision is Christ and when I see Christ I'm changed any and, and it's not like I just see Christ one time it's this ongoing revealing by the spirit of God it's ongoing because when you, when you make a statement, Christ is your life, okay? 
Everybody on this call probably believes that. Christ is my life. How much is in Christ? The fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him, God desired that all fullness would dwell. So, so when I'm looking at him, and I'm beholding, see, my heart has come to, I want to see none but him. And I'm beholding him. He changes me. Okay. I can't, I can't even change myself. He does. That's, that's so, what's so great in this. And, and he doesn't change you just from a, from a modification standpoint that, that, Hey, I'm going to modify you. So you just don't do these things anymore. He changes your mind. He changes your nature. He changes your character. He changes who you are into what he is. That to me is the business of the Holy of Holies. And those two cherubims of glory beholding the glory of the Lord because they're beholding his appearing. They're described in the book of, I believe, Exodus as one beaten work. One work. And that's what we are. We are his work. We are one beaten work being transformed into the divine nature of the living Christ. Huh. Now, to me, what he is, is heavenly. So to walk in the heavens is to live in what he is. And that's now here in the earth, and that's when you move on, is to walk in who he is. And you say, what about those people that have went on? Okay, we, we have those questions in our heart. I believe there, if you ask me, and the Lord uh, can correct my understanding here, but I believe they're still growing up in him. They're beholding our order. I believe the apostle writes in the book of Hebrews 12, and our order is Christ. <laughs> so they're looking at his glory and being transformed. Now, what that all looks like when we pass from these bodies, I, I can't tell you. I can tell you all of it because I can't. But what I, I know it looks like is Christ being revealed, Christ appearing in you. And to me, that's what salvation is, is him. And, and I never, years ago, and, I, and I'm going to wind this down and stop here. But years ago, if you had told me 
that it was going to be this good here in the earth. I, I would have told you there's no way look at the world. And that's what, what I hear a lot of Christians say, well, look at all the things in the world. I, I've, I've made this comment before, but Paul was beaten. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was eventually beheaded. And he, and he was talking about the glory of a God appearing in him. Think about that. He had turned his heart to see the Lord. So these brothers were facing perilous times in the earth. And I, and I read through Paul's epistles, and he talks about it occasionally. But he talks about Christ being revealed, Christ being formed, Christ coming in you. The glory of God filling you up, his fullness filling you over and over again. That's where his mind was at. Now, most of us is, and, and, and me included, gets caught up in what's going on in the world. Well, the world's been a mess ever since Adam fell. I got news for you. This, this didn't happen yesterday. <laughs> you know, we think it happened yesterday. No. It's, it's the human condition is what we look at in the world. And the answer to the human condition is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not the right politician. We, we sometimes think, well, if we just had the right politician, it's the death, it's the burial, it's the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not against politicians, and I'm not against you voting, and, and, and I would tell you vote and be reasonable with, with common sense. There's, there's a lot of things that have no common sense. But that ain't the answer. That may make certain things smoother for us. But the answer is his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Well, I'll stop right there, and I'll, I'll open it up, and, and I'll open with Brother Bob.